Welcome to Let's Get Local Wilmington, the podcast where I deep dive into the stories of local business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best people I know who are shaping the community and making waves in the business world. Each episode, I'll bring you inspiring conversations with the movers and shakers of our town, uncovering the secrets behind their success, the challenges they've overcome, and the valuable lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Jen Richardson, and I am beyond excited to share this story with you today. Let's dive into the episode. Hello, welcome to Let's Get Local Wilmington. I am here with Anthony Pellegrino of Prosperity Home Mortgage. Anthony, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on the show. So tell me a little bit about where are you from? Why are you in Wilmington? Kind of when did you come down here? And then we'll talk about what you do professionally. I live in the Triangle. Okay. And I'm here in Wilmington three days a week. Uh, Prosperity Mortgage is the in-house lender for Berkshire Hathaway, and I'm here working at a Berkshire Hathaway office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Awesome. And ironically enough, that is where I work too, and that's how we know one another. Really appreciate you coming on the show. So you're in the mortgage industry. Tell me about when you got started in the industry and what drove you to that. I was a finance major in college, but uh, right after college, I wasn't really ready for a, a desk job, so I did a couple other things. Uh, But having the finance background, uh, I finally started in the mortgage industry in 1999. 1999. So was it very different from now in 1999? Oh, yes. Quite a few changes. But luckily, I've been with Prosperity the entire time. You have. So you must love it. I do. I I do love love it. Great people. Definitely. Great company. Definitely. Awesome. And for a listener that may not be familiar, walk me through what a mortgage lender does. What What is your role? How do you help people with that? Basically, we gather information from a potential buyer to see if they can afford a house payment. We collect information regarding their income, their credit, and their assets. Okay. So you just look over everything and say, hey, this is where we're sitting, and this is what you're able to do based on the information that you've provided. Correct. Okay. Love it. And uh, what are some of the first steps that someone should do when applying for a mortgage? The first thing they should do is definitely speak with a trusted mortgage professional before anything else. Okay. Buyers sometimes think they can't they can't qualify when they actually can. And if they can't qualify now, we'll tell them what to do in order to qualify in the future. And those are the best closings. I love those. When Joey and I bought our second house, we had no idea that we were even able to qualify. We didn't know. We just we didn't know. And I'm in this industry. And so we had zero idea of what to even do, which direction to go. And that was really our first step. And it was funny because it was a mortgage lender that I worked with in the past. And we were having a just candid conversation. And she said, and I mentioned something about, I don't think we can buy. And she said, what makes you think that? And I said, I don't know. We own a home and we'd have to sell the home. I'm literally having the same conversation with her that I have with my clients. And I'm not taking my own advice, right? (laughs) So she said, walk me through your scenario, whatever. What does your income look like? What does your debt look like? And all this. And she said, Jen, just do an application. And she said, I promise you, unless you're just not telling me anything, you guys can buy another home. And it was like seven years since we'd purchased our first home. And that experience looked very different. We were very new. Our income was very low. Credit was mediocre. And thankfully, my husband used a VA loan and we were able to get into our first home. But we didn't realize how much, I guess, leverage that we had now. And so what we were able to do is actually keep that home and use it as a rental and you know offset some of the DTI with the rental income. And everything worked out great. And we're in our dream home. Wow. And it's like we're in the neighborhood that I wanted to raise my daughter in. 
So it's just, it's so amazing. And just not taking that first step would, it would have changed everything. Also getting the word out there is so important. There are so many programs and opportunities out there that buyers are just not aware of. Yeah, definitely. No down payment options and low closing cost options. Mm -hmm. So getting the word out is, is very important. For sure. Anthony, is it always about the interest rate? Walk me through that. I know that right now we have a lot of folks that are interest rate conscientious. So is that usually the number one thing to start out or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, rate's important, but it's all about cost that you're paying to get that rate. Okay. And most importantly is the payment comfort level. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that people monitor rates, but they don't realize how that translates into their monthly payment. And that's another reason why they need to have these conversations with you. So you can tell them, hey, here's where we're sitting today. And this is what it might look like. So I love that. Most buyers think the lowest rate is always best, mm -hmm. but rarely is it always best because you have to look at, again, what it costs you to get that interest rate. Mm -hmm. So which is better, a 6% rate and you're paying 15000 in closing costs or a 65 rate with 5000 in closing costs? Yeah, definitely. A brainer, the 65 with the 5000 is much better. Definitely. And also how long you intend to stay in a property is also very important. If most first-time home buyers are in a property probably, what, five to seven years? Yeah, I would say that. And yeah. if that's the case, rarely do you want to pay extra money to get a lower rate because mm -hmm. you won't be in the home long enough to recoup those costs. That makes sense. So nine times out of ten, a slightly higher rate is better and keep your cash in your account for a rainy day. If something happens with the home or for repairs. Definitely. And inevitably, something will happen. I mean, there are nothing's perfect. And a home is definitely an investment. It's something that you have to maintain. We have things that are necessary expenses down the road, like your HVAC needs to be replaced or your roof needs to be replaced, or maybe you just want to make some updates to the home. That makes a lot of sense. How many mortgage products are out there in the world of lending? Okay. I thought I was slouching. I don't know if this whole thing was just audio. I, do, I have a couple cameras going, so okay. Okay, good. I didn't want to slouch. Yeah. Okay. So, Anthony, tell me, are there, how many different mortgage products are there in the world of lending? There are hundreds <laughs> of, of programs. That's why it's so important to speak with a, a trusted mortgage professional sooner mm -hmm. than later. Yeah. Because what program might be good for one may not fit for another. That's and there's so many programs, we can definitely find one somewhere in that list of programs that'll fit for sure. the buyer's needs. For sure. And by determining the buyer's needs, I assume that you're looking at their application and their profile, but also asking them important questions about how they intend to use the property, how long they're staying in Correct. it. Yeah. There are a lot of different facets to the mortgage lending process. And I think a lot of folks just don't get that. What's the most frequently utilized mortgage product? Uh, conventional. Okay. Loan products are the most common. Okay. Awesome. And then after that, you have your government loans. Okay. And government would be VA, FHA, USDA. USDA. Correct. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And talk to me about some common mistakes that people make during the process. I've seen this in my career um, selling real estate. So talk to me about what are some things that people do and they don't necessarily intend to botch their loan. Um, but I can see you smiling. Yeah. I'm, you can, I'm just you can thinking of instance after instance, yeah. and I, I feel like we're all <laughs> going to say finance a new car, but you know what you tell me. Most importantly, it's failure to, to let the lender know some important information up front or hiding something that you think the lender doesn't need to know or may not find out. Okay. There's so many background 
things that we check with credit and employment that buyers just aren't aware of. For sure. So the best advice is to just tell the lender everything. Yep. Uh, that way we can help fix the problem before it starts. Definitely. And I mean, there have been lots of instances where things have came up. And I had one this year, actually, where the buyer didn't intentionally mislead the lender. They just didn't know the right questions to ask or the right way to present this income that they had. And it was child support income. And the child support was not, I guess that it wasn't court mandated. They had just been receiving it. And so the underwriters needed documentation to say, hey, this income is going to continue to come in. Correct. It did cause a delay with a loan. They were able to get it closed. But sometimes buyers just, they're not willfully misrepresenting information. Sometimes they just don't know. And I think that's why it's important to have somebody with your experience because you have seen these things happen and you know the right questions to ask and say, oh, I see you're receiving child support. Can you provide the documentation that it's court mandated or whatever? That's a really, really important factor to consider. As far as, let's see here, the next question that I wanted to ask you was, what are some factors to consider when choosing between a fixed rate and an adjustable rate mortgage? That's an excellent question. Yeah, good. I've made it myself. (laughs) Actually, it's based on the current rate environment. Okay. When rates were really low three years ago, most everyone took a fixed Mm -hmm. because they rarely do get an opportunity to have a fixed rate that low. Yeah. But usually rates cycle up and down every five to seven years. So when rates are high like they are now, most will take an adjustable rate because they know in the next five years, rates will probably dip back down. For sure. So it all depends on the current rate environment and your payment comfort level. Yeah. Some people need that adjustable rate mortgage right now just to be able to afford the home. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I've experienced that a lot with the buyers that I'm working with, that they want to stay within a desired monthly payment. And we're having to look at creative ways to see if it makes sense for them. So that's definitely something to consider. Anthony, something that I really appreciate about you and how you work is that you're so transparent with your clients and tell them what is going to be the best fit for them, even if it means not getting their business. That has to take a great mindset, in my opinion. And I know that we've had this conversation multiple times because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're the most positive person I've ever met. (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's just me. That's what I do. What do you read or listen to on a current basis? In the beginning, one of my favorite books was Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Mm -hmm. And I think about it a lot today. And also the website uphabit.com is another great tool to help you develop personal relationships. Because with me, I think the most important factor is the personal relationship that you develop with the agent and the client. And like you had mentioned, to me, it's about talking to every client, as many clients as I can. Mm -hmm. So if the agent knows that I have the client's best interest in mind, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell them if there's a better loan program elsewhere, all that does is endear them to me and send me all of their buyers. Yeah. Because in the end, it's about the customer. If you take care of the customer, everything else takes care of itself. I totally agree with that. I think that's such a great um, mindset to have and a great way to run your business because we are a relationship business at the end of the day. And I think that's what people value most. So I, I love that. What are a couple of steps that someone could take to boost their credit score? This will sound repetitive, but I'm going to say talk to a trusted mortgage professional (laughs) as soon as possible. Okay. Because the higher the credit score, the lower your interest rate. Okay. The lower your interest rate, the lower your payment. Mm -hmm. So lenders have tools to help manipulate that credit score. So when I sit with a buyer and we run their credit report, and let's say the score comes in at 679. Mm -hmm. And the way lending works is every 
every 20 points in credit score will change your payment. And 679 to 680 is one of those, one of those levels. Mm -hmm. So someone with a 679 score basically has the same credit as someone at a 680, but to the banks, it's a big, it's a big difference. So when we get that client in front of us sooner than later, we can give them advice on how to raise that credit score. They may be able to pay a credit card down by a little bit. We run these free simulators. Okay. And if I can get someone's credit score up 30 or 40 points, that may lower their mortgage payment by $100 a month. It's, wow. it's significant. Yeah. And that also means they may be able to qualify for a higher priced home or the home of their dreams where they couldn't with a lower credit score. For sure. That makes sense. And then in that same vein, it's... It is always encouraged for them to have these conversations with you because you don't want the client to necessarily assume that they have to pay something completely off or pay off a vehicle if you're not advising them to do that. So I think that's really important because you can spend thousands of dollars thinking that you're well-intentioned as the buyer and say, oh, I'm going to pay my credit card completely off, whereas you probably should have kept that money for something else, maybe closing costs or something You know quite a bit about lending, it looks like. I, I, I've done this a little <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> so as far as a lender is concerned, if sometimes it's better for a buyer to have 10000 in credit card debt and 10000 in their bank account. Mm-hmm versus no credit card debt and no reserves and nothing in their bank account. And another helpful tool is to try to keep the balances on those revolving credit cards below 30%. Okay. For example, if you have a credit card and the high credit limit is $1,000, as soon as your balance goes over 300, Mm -hmm. your credit score could drop 10 points. That makes sense. And once that balance goes up over 500, your score will drop another 10 points. Wow. And then once that balance goes up over 700, it's going to drop another 10 points. So you're talking 30 points in credit score for just a balance on a credit card of 700 if the limit is 1,000. That is wild. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And then let's see here. What advice do you have for someone planning for a down payment? I think we're going to talk about the same thing, which is consult your trusted mortgage (laughs) advisor. (laughs) Correct. Don't wait, talk to a mortgage professional to see if you qualify for a no money down loan. In some cases, again, you're better off with no money down and keeping that 10000 in your account for a rainy day. There are more programs out there than people are aware of that don't require any down payment at all. Yeah. And you don't even have to be a first time home buyer to qualify for those no money down programs. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks that the only way to purchase a home with no money down is to be a first time home buyer. That's not true. Exactly. And I hear a lot of clients make this um, statement about an FHA loan, for instance, and they say, oh, that's for first time home buyers." No, it's not. That's not necessarily true. So I think that's why it's so important that they do have these conversations with you. Anthony, I'm sure that you've had many clients who are on a nurture program to become qualified. They have things that need to take place before they can get approved for that mortgage. How rewarding is that when you get to hand that person the pre-approval and then see them get to the closing table and get their keys? Those are by far my favorite clients. So it's heartbreaking when you first meet a buyer and you have to tell them that right now they can't purchase a home. Mm -hmm. So that's everyone's dream is to purchase a home and to tell them they can't qualify. There's, you know, it's devastating for some people and it, and affects me quite a bit. So I try to work with those people as much as I can. And I tell them, look, can you pay off this credit card or can you do A, B and C call me back in, you know, three months or four months and let's run it again and see where we are. 
or let me know if anything changes with your income. And I have a whole file full of, of buyers that I follow up with to see how things are coming along. And when they finally get pre-approved and they start their search and then at the closing table, there's, we see quite a few tears oh, flowing on those days. Yeah. And those are by far yeah. the best working with first time home buyers, especially those that couldn't qualify and then can qualify. It's a great sure. feeling to know you've yeah. been a part of something, yeah. know, helping someone. Absolutely. And that's when, their dream in my line of work too. It's just, it's the best. And the first time buyers are probably my favorite buyers, just being able to walk them through the process and explain what, here's what you can expect and then putting the keys in their hand. It's really amazing. So Anthony, what is your why? My why is yeah. my wife of 20 years, oh, my two that. children, 17 yeah. and 13. I love it. That's awesome. And that's really the best motivator, I think, right? What's your local favorite restaurant? I would say one of my favorites right now is Kipos mm-hmm. and Roku. Okay. They're tied. Yeah, yeah. I love Kipos. They're opening a new restaurant, sister restaurant called G Prime. It's a steakhouse and it looks really beautiful and looks oh. really amazing. And if it's anything like Kipos, it's going to be a win. All right. Great. Thanks for coming on the show. How should someone get in touch with you? What's your phone number? <laughs> my, <laughs> my cell number is the best way for someone to get a hold of me. They can leave me a message or by text 919 601 7144. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Pleasure to be here. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Let's Get Local Wilmington. I hope you enjoyed the incredible insights and stories shared by our amazing guests. A big thank you to today's guest for spending their time with me. If you found this episode as inspiring as I did, don't forget to show some love. Leave a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means the absolute world to me and helps me continue bringing you top-notch content. And hey, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. 